Welcome to Hope Plus, a podcast for Hope Community Church. If you're a new listener, we encourage you to check us out at hopecommunity.ca or find us on social media. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our first podcast of 2024. As we are sitting here looking out the window, it is snowing and it feels like winter. So we're going to have a conversation today about New Year's resolutions, about whether it's worth doing them, and if it is worth doing them, how to do it in such a way that you don't give up by January 30 and return the treadmill before the warranty runs out. I'm joined by Misha and Jonathan. Hi. Hello, everyone. And I'm going to ask them a couple questions, and then we're going to have a conversation around their own practices, their own resolutions, things that they are aiming for in 2024. And then I'm going to share at the end of the podcast a few things that we've read or best practices around resolutions and goals. So, Misha, I'm going to start with you. What has your experience been with doing New Year's resolutions? Has it been valuable? Say a little bit about how or how that has not been the case. I like goal setting. I like goals. I like New Year goals. I don't know if I'm always the best at keeping them, meaning I actually surprisingly amount of the time complete the goal. Wow. But I don't consciously complete the goal. So for example, last year I made a whole list of goals and in December I was reflecting on what they were and I realized I totally forgot about all of those, but they were things I just knew I wanted to do or some of them maybe were things I knew I was like going to do already was planned out. And so I just happened to do them. But I think the practice of thinking, okay, what do I want for the coming year? What types of things do I want to do? What types of things do I want to experience? That process I like, and I like to reflect on, okay, what I visioned, what I dreamt, what I prayed about, did it happen? Did I see fruition come to it? I think that is a very good practice. I think it reminds me in a way of a rule of life and how similar concept is like mapping out what you want to happen and then what are you doing to accomplish it? And so I personally am a fan. Maybe that's also a bit of my personality type, but Mm I am pro New Year's resolutions or just goals in general. I think Mishi might be one of those people who like does a checklist and then the first eight things on the checklist are things you've already accomplished. So you check them off. It's like you make a New Year's resolution that's already done. That's amazing. Self-encouragement. Yeah, yes. you're not wrong. I've never heard anyone who accidentally accomplishes all the goals. So I'm I'm impressed. Yeah, the ones I didn't accomplish, well, they were a bit more niche, we'll say. <laughs> all right, Jonathan, New Year's resolutions. Do you do them? I did them. So past tense. But just based on experience, and I guess, again, I think a lot of it has to do with personality type, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm not the biggest fan. Um, I think I shared this before with you, Dave. You always set goals, and I'm one of those types where I set really high goals and get disappointed in myself when I can't reach those goals. And so I got to the point, I don't even know when in my, in my adulthood, where I just said, eh, New Year's. Yeah, even if I set up any resolutions, I know I'm just going to disappoint myself. So I'll just generally try to be a better person. (laughs) So you wrote that down? Generally be a better person. (laughs) Somewhere, somewhere in my brain, I wrote it down. But I I never got into the practice of setting up a list or journal something that, oh, I'm going to 
do specifically uh, New Year resolutions. Mm. I think I appreciate your honesty there. You probably speak for the vast majority of people who, like, you're just being self-conscious about, like, I'm going to disappoint myself, so why do that? <laughs> why do the thing that's going to disappoint me? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm new to the resolution game. I think the first time I did a New Year's resolution was with Brittany four or five years ago. Uh, actually, it was the beginning of COVID. Um, but I will say I'm a, I'm a growing in my appreciation of them. And part of it is that we've turned into a family thing. So for the last two years, we sit down with our kids and we make a whole evening of it. And we do like the first half of the resolution time, you might say, is just like looking back in the last year. And we had our kids and ourselves, we wrote out like, what are some things you're really grateful for that took place this year? And things that you're proud of yourself for. Mm-hmm. And I, I, for some reason, it was very moving for me to see some of my kids write out things that they were really proud of themselves for, whether it's an accomplishment, small or big. Um, but to get a sense of like, hey, this this happened this year. We acknowledge that growth and change. You know, Rosie was very proud of the fact that she can read. That showed up a lot in her gratitude. Nice. But it was yeah. kind of marking time, celebrating things mm-hmm. that took place. And out of that posture, I feel like you can also make good goals or you can you can make them in, in light of what has taken place in the previous year. So, mm. so Dave, you said you only started doing resolutions then four or five years ago. Mm. Before that, do you remember how you viewed resolutions in the past? I you didn't had do this them? sarcastic mock of them. Like I would look at people who did the goals yeah, yeah. and they're like, I don't know, I just thought they were ambitious, <laughs> which is interesting because my personality, I'm an Enneagram three, so I like to accomplish things. And every week I've got my checklist, but I never thought to extend it beyond like that week of that month. So, but when I finally got on this New Year's resolution train, I quite liked it. It's good. It's been healthy. And I don't know, to Im- implement something that you hold yourself accountable to always feels good to me. You know, there's this thing you've written down and it's almost like you're, you're wondering if you can keep promises to yourself. You know, like, okay, I've now said this. Can I make good on it? I know I want it. I've written it out. I've taken the time to think it through. Will I actually put the work in to do the thing that I I want to do or become the kind of person I want to become? Like, I think those are really significant. It ties in with what you were saying, Misha, about a rule of life. Mm -hmm. Like being intentional about your becoming. I think New Year's resolutions can be in line with that. Mm. Plus, I think in a way, if you, well, because I do it, I don't know what it's fully like to not do it. But I think if I did not set goals or things that I would like to accomplish or things I'd like to do for each of the categories, I think I would be very unmotivated for the year. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to get to anything if I'm not doing stuff. And so I, I'm wondering what are people doing if they're not working towards something? That's exactly where my mind was going. I think if I'm honest, my young adult self specifically and teenage self wouldn't have done New Year's resolutions because I don't want to be accountable to anything. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to be like, ah, oh, go through the, like, I said this and I didn't do it. I'd rather not write it out. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. well, that then brings me to a second question. And that is like New Year's resolutions get mixed reviews because there is the stereotype of you buy the treadmill to lose 20 pounds, you never use it, you try to return it before the warranty expires. So how do we do New Year's resolutions in a way that is effective rather than like, you know, overly ambitious or you're not being realistic about your commitments, your season of life? And I'd love for you to share, Misha, first, just about ways that you've tried to do it in a way that's effective. Because clearly, you're good at accidentally accomplishing your goals. So you get to speak first. Yeah, I think I accidentally write them down 
first step. No, I purposely, I think I really enjoy taking time. And I do, I find I don't just do New Year's goals. I find I do goals like on my birthday each year. I like to think, okay, what have I done like in the past year of my life? What do I want the next year of my life to look like? Or for me working in youth ministry, okay, what's my goals for the youth year, which is September to June. It's a bit different than like an actual year on the calendar. But regardless of what the goal is for, I find writing it down is super important because yeah, I can think I want to do something, but like many of us, we have a million things going through our minds at a million different times. And so I make sure that I write it down and I believe that there's like scientific proof that if you write it down, you are more successful in accomplishing that goal. So I find for me writing it down, but not just writing like, oh, I would love to do this because it sounds super fun, but okay, what am I discerning as being something that is on my heart to do? So whether that's like, I believe it's from God calling me in a ministry way, whether it's just something that I want to do to become a better person or just a unique experience. Um, I just really sit with it before I actually write it down. So that way I'm not going quick. Okay. I'm just going to make the list to make the list. And it's unrealistic. It's okay. These are things I'm feeling passionate about maybe in this coming season, or these are things like I need to learn to become more interested in or to do. And so I think sitting down, making time to ponder before you write and before you make your list. I'm also very bad at making a lot of things on my list. I know that I have multiple lists in different areas of my life of things, but I think depending on your personality, it can be one or two, it can be 10, but what are things that you just feel, okay, when you sit down and you think about the coming year, what are little things that you want to do and maybe you slowly start to stretch them out over the coming years as well. That's good. I just want to underscore two things you said there that are really helpful. One is the significance of actually writing things out. I just, I think that's really significant. The fact that you do it not just on New Year's, but your birthday. And I know you've said in in the past that you do it in September. Like you don't just have this one time of year thing. You actually return to it at your birthday and you return to it in a new season. I think there's something really wise about that where it's like it's part, it's a built-in habit throughout your year. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. If I could add one thing, it makes me think there's a scripture in Habakkuk where it talks about writing the vision plainly on like tablets. And so that it's the vision for the future time. If you don't write it and you don't put it places you can see it and remember, come back to it, you're going to forget about it like I sometimes often do. (laughs) But I think there is wisdom to go, okay, put it somewhere that you see or that you remember and that it's not just fully out of sight, out of mind, but it's revisited and it's like, oh, yeah, that I was passionate about in whatever month I wrote it. Mm -hmm. I'm now passionate again because I remember the why. That's good. When I think of Habakkuk, I think of it prophetically anticipating the iPad. The there you go. <laughs> Jonathan, what about you? I mean, I don't know how much you want to speak into this as someone who has already said you don't like doing resolutions, but yeah, but it's good to reflect. Well, this is the point of the podcast to hear how Dave, you have older kids now who is able to maybe share a little bit deeper in meaningful ways of doing these resolutions, the importance of journaling. And so Moon, my wife, she ha- she's motivating our older son, Joseph, who's the same age as Rosie. And so he's able to journal and he has gotten into a good habit of sort of doing these goal setting, taking notes and 
yeah, setting a good habit for himself. It's just for me looking from afar, it's I keep thinking to myself, oh, that's just for him. It's not for me. But what I'm trying to get at is if that becomes a family thing instead of Joseph, go do your homework or go do the New Year's resolution or go journal, to make that into a family activity and use it as an opportunity to yeah, build that relationship and go deeper, I feel yeah, that's an aspect that might be very healthy for our family as well. Because I'm not the biggest journaler in general, but I would add here, I do take notes and I am a checklist person. That is yeah. a part of my um, personality. It's just, I guess, in big milestones, like a New Year's resolution, I tend to try not to make such a big deal of it. Again, back to the, because I don't want to disappoint myself again. Mm -hmm. But any office I've had, I need a whiteboard. Yeah. Because that's where I pay, put my notes down, my favorite verse of the week or the day or whatever. And I even have right now on my whiteboard, which I haven't gotten to, three, uh, four numbers, 3101. That's his bank account password, by the way. Yeah. Good try. Special yeah. insurance number. <laughs> and that was just my visual reminder. I want to read at least three chapters of the Bible each day. I want to read one uh, chapter from the different testament that I read. I want to spend 10 minutes in prayer. And I want to memorize one verse a week. That's not a daily thing. But those numbers are just reminders, right? Yes, again, same thing. I don't always keep them and I disappoint myself, but it's a visual reminder. Yes, that is a goal that you want to get to, that you want to keep going with. So I'm not totally against goal setting. <laughs> mm -hmm. Again, this kind of reminds me of the rule of life conversation. We'll probably have a podcast about a rule of life a different mm -hmm. day, but that there needs to be some vision we all have of how we want to live our weekly lives, what habits we want to give ourselves to. And whether you're into resolutions or not, you, you need to discern like how you want to spend your time. And you, <laughs> we all have a certain view of how we spend our time. And if we're not proud of it, we want to make decisions around how to do it better. But that might be a good segue to talk about some things that we have read. I know I'm not the only one in this circle here, but um, there are good people who put some good thought into resolutions. And Justin Whitmiel Early, who I've referenced before in the podcast, he's doing some good work on this thing of habits. And uh, if you look him up online, if you check him out on social media, you'll find that he's got this big thing where he says, don't do resolution goals, do habits. Mm -hmm. And so maybe for the next couple of minutes, we'll just outline what he means when he says that. And um, one of his convictions, and this is not just his, this is a lot of people, um, we are really shaped most deeply, more deeply than we think by our habits. Like we're not just what we think about, we are what we do. And we do the things we love. And so if you want to change who you are, you got to change the habits that form who you become. And maybe just an illustration to give some flesh to that concept is there's a, a pastor actually who has since passed away, but um, not that long ago, he was entering into retirement and he was so excited to retire. He had so many things he wanted to do. He, uh, he wanted to change his devotional life and just had this whole checklist of things that he was just so ready to do once he retired. And then he retired and realized like, I'm still the same person. Like I thought that all of a sudden when my schedule opened up, I would have this new desire, this new zeal, this new ability to do all these things. But his comment and self-reflection was like, I really am still that same person and I still have all these same habits. Uh, I don't change overnight just because I made a resolution. Mm. And just looping back then to Justin Whitmill Early's insight is that like you want to, you want to over the course of your life, build habits that carry you. 
and that you don't, you're not waiting for something totally to change in your life to, to make it all different. Like you want to build these habits over a lifetime mm. um, because they don't, nothing happens overnight in our lives. We become the accumulation of our habits. Mm. And so with that in mind, I'll share just a few things that he recommends. These are some of his suggestions that are worth naming. Hopefully this sparks some of our imagination. So first he says, think habits instead of goals. So he would say, instead of saying, I want to lose 20 pounds and buy a treadmill, think of an actual time in the week, twice a week that you want to go to the gym. So like Tuesdays and Thursdays at 6 p.m. or 7 a.m. That's, that's what I'm going to do. It's now it's in my schedule. It's a habit, not just a goal, not just a number. The second one, and I, I think this is fairly recent for me to think about, is that think communally and not individually. And I mean, there's all sorts of research to back this up, but like you're going to do things when they're involving other people. Like you think of running groups, whether it's health. Um, I know there's even teenagers in our church who read the Bible and then they'll text back and forth to say, have you read the passage? Are you reading the passage? Like that sense of a communal accountability, a communal ambition. And we often, I think maybe the failure of our New Year's resolutions is that it's just you by yourself thinking about your own life rather than you and a family member, a friend, a cousin, uh, someone in the church who say, hey, we want the same thing. Let's let's aim together and let's actually practice this together. Mm. And then something happens. So those are Justin Whitmill's sort of two things that he mentions. And before I say others, I want to pause and say, Misha or Jonathan, did you want to comment on either of those things? I really like the idea of the communal kind of idea, the practice. And I think kind of, Dave, you were mentioning your family does that. And even Jonathan, you kind of were saying how it could be more impactful almost as a family and I think that's kind of similar for me and Peter is that we've broken up like in different parts of the house and say okay you go like discern what you want for the coming year and I'm going to do mine and then we're going to meet back and we're going to share and we did this last year and actually most of our things were aligned Mm -hmm. and we weren't in the same room yeah they were probably things that we talked about like in the month leading up or had just been in conversation about but they were things that one aligned with each other's vision that we were separate while doing and then two they were things that we were both okay I'm not just saying we need to do this better and you're gonna suck it up and do it with me it was like a shared conviction of okay we're gonna do this and we're gonna make sure that like we do it and then that way if I'm slacking one week and I feel unmotivated there's someone else who's saying hey we're doing this or if they're feeling unmotivated I can go hey we're doing this so Mm -hmm. I think having the communal accountability is very important Mm -hmm. that's good yeah, I, I resonate with both, right? Setting goals, letting myself down versus get, trying to get into a habit, right? That's a more healthy and achievable goal. And also the second aspect of being communal, just being part of a uh, team sport all my life. Like I play soccer and tomorrow we get to play a game in minus 13 weather. I would never think of doing that. that whether it's a habit or not, I would not do that. But like 20 other guys are saying, hey, you said you're coming, (laughs) need you to come. And so it's just automatically a communal thing where we are just created as communal beings. We work together and we build each other up and hopefully for the better. So Mm -hmm. those are very, very key points. Just to add uh, three other things that he has suggested as really good habits to think about. One is turning the phone off for an hour a day. Turn, just having it completely off. And for some of us, that's easier than others, depending on the position you hold or the life schedule you have. But I think that's an interesting discipline all by itself. Like even asking the question, can I turn my phone off for an hour a day? 
Secondly, and I really like this one, carving out one hour a week for friendship. Yeah, I, I mean, it's no secret that among men in North America, I can't speak on behalf of other cultures, but I know that there's so much being written about right now and about loneliness, about like not feeling like you have close friends. And I don't think it happens unless you invest in it and then you make time for it. And even I think I'm looking at Jonathan here too, but like guys who are often in the middle of their careers with young families are, are prone to pouring themselves into family and career at the expense of friendship. And when Justin Whitman early said, you know, find a way to carve out one hour per week for friendship. I'm like, oh, that that's a good one. So I'm throwing that out there for percolation. And then maybe one of his more well-known suggestions is scripture before phone. Like that you go to the word before you go to your phone. Um, and the insight there, of course, is you're going to turn your phone on. You're going to get a lot of notifications from things that are very important, like an urgent thing with work. Uh, to the most inane things around like Canuck score last night, stock trading, whatever. Uh, but those will set your imagination in some direction. And the insight is imagine how differently you could start your day if it was receiving God's word, allowing him to speak to you, allowing the scriptures to remind you who you are and why you exist. Those are three things I just want to share from him. Here are two more things that I'll just add to the conversation. And I'm sure these aren't my own thoughts. They're from someone else. But one is think baby steps rather than giant leaps, like a chapter of the Bible a day versus the whole Bible in a year, right? And a confession, uh, last year, I tried to do the, the Bible by audio in a year. I got really close, but I, I, I'm sure I got further last year than I would have if I said, hey, I'm going to read the whole Bible this year. I just did, you know, I mm. do my prayer walk and I listen to the scripture by audio and Clearly, I didn't do it every day, but I got really far, and I, I'd rather do it chapter a day than the whole Bible in one year. And I think um, my one son, my oldest son, is a very um, a goal-oriented person. And, you know, when we sat down as a family to make our goals, I just realized he did a lot last year and accomplished a lot, and he almost felt this pressure to, like, do a ton more stuff. And we're like, no, it's it's okay to just to, to do baby steps with what you've already made decisions on last year. It's great. It doesn't have to be totally revolutionizing your life. You can just keep building on what you've done and are happy with and feel good about. So think baby steps rather than giant leaps. The other one is, and maybe this is, I'm looking forward to hearing your feedback on this. Don't think of New Year's resolutions or habits as having to start something brand new. I'm guessing for most of us, if we really spent some time discerning it, we'd probably need to instead ax things out of our lives. Our New Year's resolutions could be like, this has to stop or this has to be replaced. Um, because most of us, at least if I'm listening to people in our community well, feel like we're overcommitted, we're working too many hours, we're anxious, we're stressed, we're busy. And if that's the context you're in, making resolutions that add just another thing, another set of things, another list that you can't accomplish, it's overwhelming. And so I think it would be exciting for many people to sit down with their friend or their roommate or their spouse and be like, all right, what do I say no to in 2024? And the things that I wrote down as possibilities are, what subscription should I get rid of? So Brittany and I last night are talking about getting rid of Netflix and just seeing what happens by not having it. Uh, what, what waste of time that you know is true in your life can you get rid of? So give time for you to share. How does that rest of the two of you? Yeah. First thought that came to my mind while you were talking just there at the end is that there is a podcast 
kind of mini series, I'll call it, with John Mark Comer and Jefferson Bethke. And it's called Fight, Hustle, and Hurry. And it came out, I think it was early 2020, so pre-COVID. And I remember listening to it. And then when COVID hit, it was even more timely than it was before that. But something that they talked about, I think, um, was this practice with their families. I think it was Jefferson Bethke and his wife. What they would do is they would map out their calendar I don't know if it was at the start of the year or start of a month or whatever. And they would look, okay, what do all do we have? Or what are all of the commitments our kids are in? What are the commitments we have? What are work things? What are personal things? And what do we feel God is calling us to say keep? And what is God calling us to say go? And I think what a great practice because it's not just, okay, yep, this is great. We're going to keep going and nothing's changing. There's no goal. There's no not goal. It's just, we're going to keep complacently going about our schedule. It's saying, okay, we recognize that maybe God is calling us to a totally different area of hobby or something that we've done and maybe we're going to try it. Or we are way too busy. Our kids are taking us a million places this week and on a regular schedule. Okay, maybe it's not the year that our kid plays the third sport and it's axed. Or maybe it's not the year that we decide to whatever big thing that you wanted to do that you have been doing or we're hoping. And so I think just this idea of, okay, taking a schedule inventory or life inventory of what is happening, what needs to, yeah, keep going, but also what are things that you're like, okay, they're really good things, but there are some good things that sometimes we have to say, not this season too. And so I think that would be an added point on that topic. That's good. Yeah. As somebody who comes from a culture where saying no is relatively a more difficult thing where growth and being busy is more valued culturally than not being busy. I think this can speak into that and just how, you know, our value is not just filling up all of our time with as many things as we can do. Growing maybe has to do with really being finding time and balance and and I don't want to be too preachy, but like we are created for Sabbath, but our cultures around us doesn't tell us that Sabbath is good. It's just telling us New Year's resolutions or whatever we want to fill our time with. If you want to grow, if you want to be a better person, you need to find the next thing. You need to add the next thing. You need to subscribe more, not less. And so in the midst of that, to be a witness to the gospel, maybe even, is to be counterculture in this way. Just as Dave and Misha has mentioned, what do we want to say no to and find the balance? Yeah, as Dave mentioned, being a young dad, all time and energy spent on family and career, it was surprising at how little time I can find for friends. That one hour of friendship it's it's not an addition. It's, uh, again, a balancing act. Where can I say no to something and say yes to that one hour of friendship? Because I can't, just thinking in my head right now, wow, one hour seems very small in a week, but I'm, I know that I'm going to have difficulty finding schedule for that on a weekly basis. So this is a very kind of, yeah, valuable thing to reflect on. I do wonder if that for many people would help them think differently about New Year's resolutions as like, it's not just adding a whole new list to your life. It's getting rid of some stuff. Mm. And maybe just looping back to the whole having conversation that looks back before you make plans for the future. Like with our kids, when you start with gratitude and what you're proud of yourself for accomplishing the year before, 
you'll get some sense of like, oh, but I'm not proud of this, or I didn't like how this went, or this season was too much for us. And therefore you're like, okay, that's going to give us some clarity about what needs to go. It's hard to do though. I will say that personally Mm -hmm. with two kids in competitive sports, it is hard to say no. Mm -hmm. You already said this, Jonathan, but I was going to mention Sabbath. (laughs) I I think that is such a countercultural practice and such a liberating gift from the Lord. Um, I don't remember which scholar said it, but like one of the most radical countercultural laws the Lord ever gave was honor the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, mm-hmm. especially because of the context was given to a slave nation that knew no rest, a slave nation that worked seven days a week, 24 seven. One of the first words God gives to them is rest. Mm-hmm. So it's countercultural. It's a beautiful gift. Receive it. And then replacement. I kind of mentioned this already, but yeah, instead of like thinking of more things to add, but replacing the things you're not proud of with some things that you think will be life-giving. And there's a lot of examples I could give, but like even um, passive time and technology versus activity where you're, you're actively doing something with people. It could be anything. Like I think of hobbies like woodworking or whatever you enjoy, creating something, photography, Like there's so many things that we enjoy but don't do and that time gets taken away by these passive, especially I'm thinking of screens, phones, TV. Mm -hmm. Um, If we could find a way to limit or replace that, it'd be amazing what kind of things we could give ourselves to. So the screen time on your phone will always be an indicator of (laughs) where your time goes. (laughs) So in conclusion, Jonathan, I'm curious, have we convinced you of the benefit or value of New Year's resolutions? Mm, Yeah, in a way. Um, I see the value but in a redefined way of thinking what resolutions stand for. So if we're thinking big goals, new year, you're going to be a whole different person, then no. But if we're thinking, how do you want to shape your life through the habits that you live into, then yeah, that's biblical. And that's sort of how we want to shape our lives. And if the new year resolution can be a milestone for that and kind of help us toward sort of being a little more intentional about how we want to live into those habits, then yeah, I'm all for it. There you go. Misha, um, what's some of the stuff that's percolating in you as we've had this conversation? Yeah, I think a lot of the things that we've said are very important and maybe even worth hearing second time, rewind and listen to them again, just so that it's something that resonates and sticks with you and let yourself really dream and wander as you think about it. I think something that we haven't talked about that still is in my mind is the idea of really big dreams or really big goals. And I think we've talked about realistic or keeping it simple so that we know that we can do it. And I know I often do that. I accomplish them unconsciously because I have just made them so realistic that I have done them. But I think as Christians, if we are inviting God into our goal setting and our visioning for the future, whether that's just for one year or whether we're setting visions for five years. I think if something comes to mind that we feel is too big, but we feel it is from God, I think we shouldn't say, no, I'm not going to do it or, oh, how am I going to do it? But I think we need to say, okay, I don't know how it's going to happen. It seems so big and so unrealistic, but recognizing that we're visioning beyond our resources and that we have to become so dependent on God that unless he shows up for it, it's not going to happen. And I think there can be something really powerful and important in not always limiting ourselves, but maybe every so often saying, okay, God, what is the thing beyond all resources, all realisticness that you are calling me to be the person to do or to experience or to, yeah, 
share with others. And so I think that's just an important final piece. That is a very uh, astute reflection. I really appreciate that because it gets you thinking beyond just like next month, even next year. It's like the rest of your life, sort mm-hmm. of the big thing that God's calling you into. And I'm thinking of a local pastor who, you know, one of the goals that he feels on his life is just being a unifying force among lo- local churches, being a person who builds bridges between traditions, denominations, uh, such that when people think of the church, uh, they do not think of a local church, but the local churches. And that's a goal that goes well beyond the capacity of one person. But there's so many like that where God's like, I want you to serve in this way. And you may not even see it in your lifetime. It might be like a next generation or the generation mm-hmm. after, but that does not make that goal less significant or less important. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Well, thanks for joining us for this conversation. Uh, we hope that it helped reframe a little bit about what New Year's resolutions could be all about. And you got your imagination going about what it could look like to do habit formation, baby steps uh, with other people towards change in a way that leads us into living in the likeness of Jesus and blessing others. I am sure that we will loop back to this conversation uh, when in the future we talk about rule of life and what that all entails. That's something that uh, we we talk a fair bit about here on staff. So we'll, we'll come back to this. Thanks so much for joining us. 